Hey everyone, welcome to the Naz Church Weekly Message Podcast. Here, you will listen to the preaching pastors from the Naz in Grove City, Ohio. We pray that you are inspired by their teachings. Man, it's so good to uh, be with you. I'm excited to share the word. And you might be wondering, we normally worship a little bit longer than that. We're going to have an opportunity to worship here at the end of our time together, uh, because I believe this message that we're going to talk about today is going to be something you can respond to um, through worship. And so if you wanted to sing, you're going to definitely get a chance uh, to do that more. But I'm going to jump right into it today because there's a lot of stuff uh, that I want to be able to share with you this morning. But I'm going to start off with a song that's not a worship song. It's an old 90s song. And Have you heard this song called Closing Time before? You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Yeah, you guys know it, right? And this is like a a popular, and so don't come at me because it's a bar tune. I know that. I know they play this song before people leave the bars in the evening sometime, and it'll make sense in just a moment. And actually, I became aware of this song on The Office, if you've ever seen The Office before, an episode of The Office, it's a, a TV show, and uh, it wasn't Michael Scott, but it was a, a, the manager, Andy, who came after Michael, and he thought his employees wanted to work so late that he had to send them home, and so he played this song for them, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. I don't know if you know this, but did you know that a lot of the uh, famous hymns from the church were actually written to bar tunes? Did you know that? So don't get mad at me for talking about this. But here's the thing. This song culminates with a line that says, I know who I want to take me home. I want to sing it so bad for you guys, but I'm not going to. I know who I want to take me home, which I think in hookup culture, we know what it's talking about, right? But as I researched a little bit more, I found out the kind of dual meaning of this song is this artist, um, while they were recording this, his wife went into labor prematurely and they had this child that was born prematurely and he felt kind of hopeless, he didn't know what to do, couldn't be in the hospital Uh, and so he wrote this song, I know who I want to take me home as he was processing through the deep emotions and complexity that comes with new life. But how many know that with life and with new life, There's this reality is that you can't stay where you are. So I'm titling this message, You Can't Stay Here. Look at your neighbor and say, you can't stay here. But please stay until the end of the message, okay? (laughs) You can't stay here. Romans 5.8, this is what it says. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Other translations would say something like, uh, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet stuck in our condition, the human condition, while we were slaves and alone and while we were broken and hopeless, Christ died for you. Christ died for us and he provided a way out of that situation that we're stuck in, our condition. And I want you to know this, and I'm gonna say this phrase. If you get nothing else out of today, hang on to this one. Jesus loves you too much to leave you where you are today. 
Jesus loves you too much to leave you stuck where you are today. And so church, I have a question for you. Are you willing to take a step in faith today? If so, I'm re- say I'm ready. If you're ready to take a step in your faith today, say I'm ready. All right. You see, I'm gonna tell you that the starting point today is gonna be the Passover, the cross. We're gonna talk about that here in a moment, but it doesn't end there. That's just gonna be the starting point. But before we do that, let's pray. Would you bow your heads with me? Holy Spirit, continue to do what you're doing in this space. God, break down walls. Lord, would you make this time that we have together not just an entertaining time, but God, that your word would come alive in us. God, we know that your word took on flesh and dwelt among us, and we see this in the person of Jesus Christ. So Jesus, would you be here with us today? Speak to us. Transform us. Show us the areas that we can't stay in. Lead us, we ask, in your name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. So let's jump into the story of the Exodus. And um, if you were here last week, you, you saw a great message from Pastor John. In fact, if you weren't here last week because it was Fourth of July weekend or you're traveling or camping or doing whatever you were doing, I'd encourage you to go to our YouTube channel and watch the message on demand because uh, I think this message is gonna make a lot more sense if you've seen this. So uh, after the message, go back and watch it. But here's what's happened. The people of Israel are getting ready to leave the land of Egypt. They have been slaves for 430 years and God shows up to Moses and says, I'm gonna lead the people out of this into freedom. But before I do that, in order for it to happen to convince Pharaoh to allow us to leave, there's gonna need to be a, bunch, a series of miracles and plagues that need to happen. Uh, the 10 plagues, if you're familiar with them. The last one, the final plague, was the death of the firstborn where God says, I'm going to send my death angel over the land and the firstborn of every man and animal is going to die. He said, but not my people. He said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to celebrate in different ways, but uh, you're going to kill a lamb and you're going to take the blood from the lamb and you're going to smear it over the doorpost there and when the death angel walks by, you're gonna be protected by the blood of the lamb. And you'll live. Well, Pastor John and his message drew a really cool connection between the doorposts and the cross. This is a cross beam. And this is where we're going to start today, knowing that God paid the price for us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna start from the Passover. I'm going to draw a cross. I didn't get an A in art class in, in college, so just so you know, bear with me here. But we're going to talk about what happens between the Passover and the promised land. I'm going to put another word here. I'm going to say eternity. You'll find out why I'm drawing the connection there here in a moment. But what happens... Though in this story, you see this book is called The Exodus, and I get to talk about The Exodus today, which is pretty cool. What happens between the Passover and the Promised Land? What happens in that gap of time? 
But before I jump too far ahead, I want you to open up your Bibles to Exodus chapter 12. We're gonna start in verse 31. Open your Bibles if you have them today. Um, open them up and read along. Make sure I'm saying the right things, right? You want to say, hey, David said it, so I believe it, right? You want to know what God said? So Exodus chapter 12, verse 31. We're going to start there. And this is what it says. It says, Pharaoh, and this is right after the Passover, right after the death of the firstborn. This is like the middle of the night. Pharaoh sent for Moses and Aaron during the night. They show up to the Pharaoh, and this is what he says. Get out. Leave. You can't stay here anymore. Leave my people and take the rest of the Israelites with you. Go and worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds, as you said, and be gone. Go, but bless me as you leave. All the Egyptians urged the people of Israel to get out of the land as quickly as possible, for they thought, we will all die. First the firstborn, now what about me? So the Israelites took their bread dough before yeast was added. They wrapped their kneading boards in their cloaks and carried them on their shoulders. And the people of Israel did just as Moses had instructed. They asked the Egyptians for clothing and articles of silver and gold. And the Lord caused the Egyptians to look favorably on the Israelites and they gave the Israelites what they asked for. So they stripped the Egyptians of their wealth. You're like, what? Can you imagine? All right, time to move out of my neighborhood before I go. Let's knock on the neighbor's doors here. Give me your gold, <laughs> your crypto, whatever. And in order to understand why they did this, you need to go back earlier in Scripture. What's going on here? You see, they had been captive, but now they're being set free. And then Moses says, hey, go ask your neighbors for their wealth, and they give it to them. And if we go back in Scripture, we find in Genesis chapter 15, a promise of God to Abram, where it says, then the Lord said to Abram, you can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land where they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them. And in the end, they will come away with great wealth. It's an original promise of God. Several hundred years before that point. And then we look at the Exodus chapter 3. Prior to this happening, God is talking with Moses. 3 verse 19 through 22. It says, but I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand forces him. So I will raise my hand and strike the Egyptians, performing all kinds of miracles among them then at last he will let you go. And I will cause the Egyptians to look favorably on you. They will give you gifts when you go so you will not leave empty handed. Every Israelite woman will ask for articles of silver and gold and find clothing from her Egyptian neighbors and from the foreign women in their houses. You will dress your sons and daughters with these, stripping the Egyptians of their wealth. So here you have the people of Israel, 400 years as slaves, Stuck in the cycle of slavery, stuck in the cycle of abuse, the cycle of pain, stuck in the cycle of having to follow the commands of the whims of their masters, wondering if they're forgotten. It's been 400 years, so there's probably just whispers at this point at what God had said, even if they had any recollection of God. And God shows up through Moses and says, I haven't forgot about the promises I made to your ancestors. 
And here's what I want you to remember, church. Two things. First, God has not forgotten you. God has not forgotten you. God has not forgotten you. You may feel that sometimes where you don't hear something or see something happen quick enough, but you need to know that God has not forgotten you. And because he has not forgotten you, secondly, God always keeps his promises. That God's promise to you is firm and strong, and he will fulfill those promises to you. But why did God restore their wealth? You see, I'm not gonna head in the direction of a prosperity message where I'm not gonna say, hey, you know, God wants all of you to be super wealthy and to have all the money of the world and all these other things. I'm not gonna head in that direction, okay? But I believe that God was a just God and wanted to restore what had been stolen from them. You see, the reality is for 400 years on their backs, the Egyptians made all their money. They were wealthy because of slavery. And God said, hey, that's yours. I'm gonna restore it to you. But here's what I wanna focus on most importantly is that when God calls you out of a place of stuckness, a place of brokenness, a place where you feel like you're stuck in the cycle, he's gonna provide for the journey ahead. That when God calls you out of a lifestyle or a place that you're in, he's not just saying, hey, I'm calling you out of it. Here, go. Have a good time. Call me if you need me. But instead, he says, hey, I'm gonna provide for you on the journey. I'm gonna take back and restore to you what was stolen from you. But how many of y'all know that money can't buy love? Money can't buy relationship, right? If you've ever had that rich relative that just throws money at you, it's like super cool to get that money, but... Or if you ever try to buy your kids, it doesn't work. But God restored what had been stolen. And so here we have restoration. What has been stolen, okay? Um, but I'm gonna tell you this. I think the continuum here is another form of restoration. Restoration of something that had been lost, something of great value. And I want you to know that, actually I wanna ask you a question, where have you been stuck? Where is there a part in your life where you feel like you're stuck in an endless cycle where you don't make any traction, where you're not getting any movement in your life. You know, I had a funny thing happen really over the last few days. You see, I'm raising this uh, cool pup, this dog. Super smart dog. In fact, he scared my trash guys half to death yesterday or think, yeah, Friday. He waited for him and he's by the front door and he pops the latch and he takes off after him and starts barking at him, sticking his chest out. He's a big, scary looking dog. And I'm like, get back in here. What are you doing? You know, and yelling at him. And he gets back in the house. Well, I have to tell you, one of the things that he likes to do, 
is we've gotten to a place where we don't need to leave him in the crate because he doesn't chew things up, but then he searches for food. Not his food, not dog food. Human food. And so if I forget to take the trash out before I leave or set the trash can up on the counter, I can count on the fact that when I get home, he's gonna look at me, his ears are gonna go down, and he's gonna go like this. He gives it away. I don't see any evidence. I look at him, I said, what'd you do? And then I look over and there the trash can is wide open. Or there the food is on the counter. And, and I say, you know I don't like you to do this. Just stop, okay? This is me talking to a dog, all right? Why don't you understand what I'm saying to you right now? But I think our life is like that sometimes. That we get stuck in this cycle where we, we don't want to be where we are and we end up just doing the same thing over and over again and then after we do it, we feel like garbage and then we say, I'm never going to do that again and, and we we're kind of stuck. Where have you been stuck? I'm going to go to Exodus chapter 12, verse 40. It says, the people of Israel had lived in Egypt for 430 years. In fact, it was on the last day of the 430th year that all the Lord's forces left the land. All the Lord's forces left the land. And it got me asking this question, how could they be considered an army, right? They had no knowledge of how to fight. It had been taken from them. It had been lost. But here's the reality, the beautiful thing of the restoration of God is that God sees the person that you will become or are becoming, not the person you are right now. Did you catch that? It says the forces of the army of the Lord were getting ready to leave the land, and I'm looking at them as they are a bunch of, uh, of people that had been enslaved, that have no idea how to fight, but the Lord looks at who they are going to become on the journey ahead. Aren't you thankful the Lord does that for us? You see, we, I do this with my kids all the time because my job to raise them, and I know that I have a certain number of years with them, and there are people that I want them to become. You're strong, I'll say to them. You're smart. You're successful. You're a warrior. Don't give up. All of these different things I speak over them, not because that's who they are, because right now they ran into my room because they're afraid of the dark. But I said, you're brave because I know who they're becoming. In fact, uh, if any of you have a daughter, maybe you'll relate to this. You see, because I see amazing glimpses of the person my daughter is going to become in the form of sass and attitude right now. And fierce loyalty, I'll add that too. She's fierce, man. Sassy. She says things and I'm like, how did you come up with that so quick? That hurts. But as we shape her, I look at her and I say, honey, you're strong. You're brave. You're not gonna bend to the world. The world will bend to you. You're not gonna need a man to give you value because you're gonna know who you are. Right? We see the bits and pieces of who they're becoming, but really we see who they're gonna be. And this is what the Lord does with restoration is he starts saying, hey, I know who you're becoming. Hang tight because you're gonna be amazed at what happens ahead. If we go over to Exodus chapter 13 here, starting in verse 17, 
It says, when Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them among, along the main road that runs along Philistine territory, even though it was the shortest route to the promised land. God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness towards the Red Sea. Thus the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. You see, there was a shortcut they could have taken. They could have went along the coastal road, which doesn't totally make sense because earlier we just said they're the forces of the Lord. But now God's saying, hey, there's a battle ahead of you that you're not ready for. If y'all are like me, get me from A to B as fast as you can, right? But God doesn't take shortcuts. When I go on a road trip, I look at my kids, I'm like, guys, we're not stopping. We're getting to the beach. Right? And then I go with other people on road trips, and they're like, hey, let's stop at the Cracker Barrel. Or, hey, you know, let's, let's stop off at them. No! Let's go! But I'm joking, kind of. <laughs> the Lord will never allow shortcuts, you know that? And so, as I was thinking through that, I believe that sometimes there are some battles you have to fight that the Lord knows you aren't ready for yet. Sometimes there are battles you're going to have to fight that the Lord knows you are not ready for yet. That's not fun. Because we think about the battles we're facing right now and I'm like, God, I don't want it to get any harder than this. But the reality is, is that God led them through the desert and this weird way, but he doesn't abandon them. He says, I'm gonna lead you through a situation and through places and experiences that are gonna prepare you so that you can be the people that when that fight is coming, when that big one is coming, You've been prepared for it. And most of us don't like to look at our struggles that way, do we? Most of us just wanna get through it. But the reality is, is the Lord is saying, hey, maybe I'm preparing you for something else. Maybe I'm preparing you for that next battle that you have no idea that right now you couldn't stand up against. Instead, let me take you another way. And this is where we find Exodus chapter 13, verses 21 and 22, where it says, the Lord went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud and he provided light at night with a pillar of fire and this allowed them to travel by day or by night. And the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. So here's what I think is really happening. They could have taken the shortcut, but God said you're not ready. Even though you are a great warrior and you're gonna become a mighty army, you're not there yet. So I need to take you through the wilderness. And as I take you through the wilderness, most of us want it to look like the shortcut. A to B, straight line. But it ends up looking more like this. 
You know what I'm talking about? Trying to make progress, two steps forward, right? Two steps back, whatever. And you wanna get there and then, man, can we just get there already? And then if you know the story of the people of Israel, you know that when they finally got to the promised land, they were terrified. Terrified of the giants in the land. So said, all right, God said, all right, you're not ready yet. Back out. Back through the desert for 40 more years. Really, I'm just having fun coloring this morning. And then they get to the promised land. And I was wondering, why, God, why did you send them out in the desert for that long? Couldn't you just, like, done something supernatural? Take them, they beat the Philistines, and then they take over the land, and then everyone's happy. It's because I believe this. I believe that God wanted to restore something far more important than the wealth. God needed to restore a relationship. You want to know why they ended up in the wilderness, why they were going through the battles they did? It's because God knew a relationship needed to be restored because we all know this, that you can't buy love. God wanted to get his people to a place where they would be his people and he would be their God and they would walk in relationship together and eventually when they got to the promised land, they would enter together. How many know that the best relationships take time to develop? Do you know that? It takes time to develop relationships. It takes shared experiences to develop relationship. But here's the truth. A restored relationship requires movement. It can't stay stagnant. And so instead, we find that they end up going into the wilderness and they, they end up fighting, I'm looking for space here. They fight battles. They face failure, setbacks, breakthroughs. That's a long word. Miracles. And God took them on this journey because it was gonna require these shared experiences for them to know who they are, for him to become their God so that they could be in relationship. That the promised land was the icing on the cake, right? This is the place where people are supposed to be in relationship with God and they were supposed to live together and set up God's throne on earth. But we also find in scripture that even after they get to the promised land, it's really interesting, there are multiple times where God takes the people of Israel out of the promised land back into another time of exile. Why? Because God cares about the relationship. I want you to think about this. Maybe you've heard this quote before. It's about the journey, not the destination. Have you heard this? That for God, him being with his people, who cares where it was? It was in the desert. It didn't matter because they were building a relationship with God. The same goes with us. 
that as we walk through life and go through different battles and breakthroughs and failures and miracles and setbacks, we get to learn who God is and we get to be in relationship, yet it seems like we always tell ourselves, I wish I could get to this point. If I could only get here, then I'll be happy, right? If I only get that job or if I only get that person, that house, that promotion, whatever it is. Fill in the blank, you know what it is. And we think we've arrived and then we zoom out on our life and think and realize that really that thing that we were searching so hard for that we thought would be the promised land and would make us happy, we're really just stuck back here in the middle of it. Because we realize that doesn't give us fulfillment. God wanted a relationship with his people. And I think sometimes, church, if you've grown up in church, you might know what I'm talking about, that you hear some really compelling speakers, and this was me as a kid, okay? And they would say things like this. Follow Jesus so you don't go to hell. Have you heard this? And so as a eight-year-old kid, well, I don't want to go there. See, very early on, the messaging that I received with faith is that it's about this. That it's all about eternity, right? And so I'll talk with people and I'll say, how's your walk with Jesus? And you say, I don't know. I just want to get to heaven someday. When in reality, that's true. Yeah, you give your heart to Jesus and he saves you. We can't earn grace. Sure, you may end up going from the cross and someday missing out and just heading towards eternity. But what God would say is, during this time, how many of you know that your time before eternity matters, that what you do in this life matters? And that the Lord would say, when I'm your Lord, I'm gonna go with you and I'm gonna lead you through the desert. I'm gonna lead you through these circumstances, these battles, these situations, because I wanna know you. I desire a relationship with you. That's what matters. And that when we arrive at eternity, it's not gonna be me rolling up there saying, okay, hope I made it in. What if we walk through the gates together? And he says, well done. I'm proud of you. I love you. And so as the people of Israel, they walk through the desert we find some situations where they run out of food. There's scarcity. Find situations where they make a false idol because they hadn't heard from God in long enough. And so they failed. We, uh, we find that God says, hey, if you wanna love me, obey me. And so God gives his word, his commandments for them to follow. We find that as they're going through the wilderness, they get attacked from an enemy they did not provoke. And God fights for them. They run into a Red Sea and they don't know what they're gonna do and so they get down on their knees and they pray, God, save us. He does. And eventually, after a long period of time in the desert, they enter the promised land. And so if you're taking notes today, I wrote down five or six things we learned about God's promises of relationship and I think you probably could apply this to God but also probably to the most important relationships in your life. First one is this. 
This is the Lord's promise. When you have a need, I will be your source. I will provide for you. When you hurt me, I still love you and won't leave you. That's hard, isn't it? Even when you hurt me, I love you. And I won't abandon you. When you follow me, you don't need to follow anyone else. When you go to war, when you fight a battle, I'm on your side. I'm with you. When it seems impossible, I'll make a way. And then lastly, we're gonna make it together. When you have a need, I'm your source. When you hurt me, I won't leave you. I still love you. When you follow me, you don't need to follow anyone else. When you battle, I'm on your side. When it seems impossible, I'll make a way. We're gonna make it. Because the truth is about relationship, that when your relationship with God is in alignment and growing and you're making progress, everything else falls into place. When you're aligned with God through the Holy Spirit, everything else falls into place. You're still gonna face battles. You're still gonna face situations where you need a miracle. You're still gonna face situations where you're gonna rely on God, but he says, when you rely on me, everything else will make sense and you'll be okay, we're gonna make it. You're gonna make it. You see, um, this month, my wife and I celebrate 15 years of marriage together. Yeah. I made it! At sometimes, it, it feels like 15 years is went like that. At other moments, it feels like an eternity. Watch it online right now, honey, I love you. An eternity in a good way, you know? But one of the things that we learned in relationship early on is that uh, there's no shortcuts to a real relationship. That we went through the honeymoon phase and we got married and you know, just wanna touch each other all the time and hold hands and go on long walks with our Labrador puppy. And then about 18 months in, life got real. You know what I'm talking about? where you realize it's not just all emotions and feelings, but it's far more than that, that it's actually a commitment to this other person no matter what. You see, we found that in 15 years, and how many of y'all been married longer than 15 years? We're chasing you guys. Can we give them a hand, please? Thank you. We celebrate relationships. But we found in the time of 15 years, we've had times of scarcity. Times of nothing. Times where we know we needed to go pick something up from the, the Walmart and we're like, man, can we afford this? Times where we take our, took our bills and we'd move them around and figure out when's the last possible day I can pay this thing before I get penalized. You been there? We've had times when we've had plenty and I've squandered it on Chipotle and other things. We've had struggles. 
because we've had kids. We've had moments of failure where we lose our temper with each other and we say things that we don't mean because even though we're married, we also have been together long enough that we know what the trigger words are and what are the most terrible things you could say to elicit a reaction or a response from them, right? We've had steps backwards because of selfishness. We've had battles that we've had to face in different arenas and different areas, battles with our mind, battles with each other, battles with the outside world. You know what I'm talking about? We faced sickness. We faced moments where we needed a miracle where all we could do was get down on our knees and say, God, if you don't come through, we're not gonna make it. But we've also faced breakthroughs. We've seen God show up in a powerful way and we're not sure how we made it, but we did. And this is 15 years. Let's go for 60. And what if in our life, the battles that we fought are simply preparing us for the larger battles ahead that God is calling us to? That's terrifying. But our goal in our marriage is not to just tolerate each other until we're old and die, or until we have a large enough retirement that she can do whatever she wants and I can do whatever I want. It's not the destination, it's the journey. And the same thing is with our faith. Don't you realize it? That when it comes to Jesus, he's saying, hey, I wanna walk with you in a great relationship takes time. You're gonna mess up and I'm not gonna leave you. You're gonna have battles and I'm gonna fight for you. You're gonna have moments where you have to rely on me and I'm gonna answer. You're gonna have moments where you don't have anything and I'm gonna come through for you in the last minute. Because relationship is what Jesus cares about. That he loves us too much to leave us where we are right now. That he would look at you and say, you know what you're going through? You can't stay here. You've been sitting here long enough, it's time to move. Because true relationships require movement and progress. So here's church, what I'm gonna ask you to do, go ahead and stand to your feet with me. We're gonna worship together. And in this song that we're gonna sing, there's this phrase that says, your love's too good to leave me here. You love me as you find me. And I want you to know this church, wherever you feel stuck right now, wherever you feel alone, the Lord is saying, I'm not gonna leave you there, but you can't stay here. I desire a relationship with you and here in just a moment, we're gonna worship and then we're gonna end our time together with a response. But earlier I asked you, where are you stuck? I think maybe as we worship today, this would be an res- opportunity for us to respond to the Holy Spirit and say, God, I'm stuck right here. Would you guide me? Even if it's through the wilderness, I'll trust you. Let's worship together. Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. Stay connected with us at thenaz.church.